Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to part two of our two-part episode with Campbell Burns from Vacations. If you haven't listened to our first part with Campbell, we discuss um, just general questions about vacations. We talk about touring. We talk about theme of Forever in Bloom. We talk about album artwork and just a bunch of stuff, just general questions. And in this part, we are going to be going track by track through Vacations' newest album, which is out now called Forever in Bloom. So listen to part one of our interview, listen to the new album Forever in Bloom, just for proper context for the questions we're going to be asking going track by track through this album. So Nate, are you ready for part two with Campbell Burns? No doubt. Before we get started, we want to let you know about a new album coming out very soon, which is called Something to Lose by Better Person. It comes out October 23rd. And this record is the culmination of Better Person's desire to nurture intimacy through tender balladry. Here's a quick clip from the title track, Something to Lose. Welcome back, Campbell. Are you ready to uh, go track by track through Forever in Bloom? Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so first up, we have Florazon. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Florizon? So I love this intro. It's such a great way to introduce fans to what the sound of the album is going to be like. While adding nature sounds to start the evolution of the concept of the album as well. And its transition into seasons is perfect. If I'm not mistaken, this is the only instrumental besides Dave Brubeck on the Vibes EP. Did you always plan on having an instrumental intro? And if not, when along the process did you guys decide to have this track? I feel like it was very early on that we wanted to have an instrumental, or not even like an instrumental, like to intro the album. We just wanted a really big statement kind of track. And I felt like we actually tried to write that song several times but it wasn't really coming together and seasons was the right pick to kick off the album but we were like well it feels kind of weird just immediately going into that drum break that joey bashes out you know it's like that's a bit it's a bit abrupt um so we just kept like trying ideas out and then i think in the second week 
towards the end of our sessions, we were, you know, talking about the Savoska and we we're like, well, what do we do? What are your thoughts? What's your perspective? How can we get around this? And I feel like this song actually was written in the space of five minutes. It's fucking crazy. Like I'm trying to like, <laughs> like we were we were talking about this and we're, like all these ideas were bouncing around and Oscar was like listening and then he just like turns back in his chair and goes on the computer and just starts like typing away like quite frantically like he's like hacking into like the matrix or something and he's just like he's just like he's like yeah just give me like five minutes and i was like okay yeah sure and he's just like pulling samples from like the void and like like drum breaks and like guitar licks and then like sax and like there's all these crazy like like I've, it must be crazy when like listen to a headphones it'd be like all the swirling noise going everywhere but like it, he just put this track together like so quickly and like obviously we gave like some direction of where we would like to take it we're like oh maybe this note maybe that note maybe this sample comes in here but like it yeah seriously i can't stress how quickly that track came together i mean we're like just sitting back listening to it we're like oh this is just incredible like <laughs> such like a fucking oh and we were like it was it was great because we were imagining i think this is really good when you're listening to a song and it kind of takes you somewhere else like for us we were all imagining walking out on stage about to play this album. And we're like, this is exactly, this is exactly the feeling that we want. Like your front row, really excited to see this band play. This track comes in. You know how bands do that? Like, when you, like, especially as a teenager, like for me at least, like when I went to shows all the time and I was like 15, 16, seeing these like really big bands at these gorgeous theaters and like they play that walk on track and it's like, fuck, that's cool. Yes. You got <laughs> like, me like, super excited for a vacation show <laughs> and now i'm even more mad that covid exists because i want to see that intro and i want to see you guys play uh, i want to do it i want to do it um also as well just a fun fact with that track there's actually a poem as well if you get the vinyl edition you'll be able to read it there's a poem that goes with that track so i guess if you're reading that while you're listening to it kind of creating this like multimedia experience i feel like it'll be very I don't know. You'll have a good time. <laughs> so because we we didn't have the poem, um, I'm I'm the lyric guy. Andrew more handles the music. I handle the lyrics. So we both dabble in each other's field. Because I'm the lyric guy, I will work with the one word I do have, which is the title Floraison. So Floraison means kind of like a blossoming, which I think is such a beautiful and poetic name for the opener because that's what this really is for the record like this song is yeah, it's so like the album's like blooming out and the reason yeah. why it's french is not to be like pseudo intellectual um it's more because that that tour we did in europe it started off in france so i always just you know when i think back to like the alps and everything i think of like france and like those first early days and it's just like what what are we going to do how are we going to do this we've never toured before didn't have a manager at the time like i was still doing all that whole process and like organizing everything it was so frantic and stressful so Next up, we have Seasons. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Seasons? So 
this song hits so hard and Campbell I think exactly what you said about needing that intro track like I hadn't actually pictured this song without the intro track and you're so right it would feel weird to jump in that hard after nothing like if that just started the album but this is the perfect song to start the album kind of from actually having a full flushed out song but the intro leading into it now i even love even more because i go man you take that that intro away you take that first track away and the song doesn't hold up as much um just because it would feel awkward Mm. But I love this song so much. The instruments are catchy and help introduce your indie pop sound. The mesh of the guitars and synths are so well crafted that it's easy to lose track of which instrument has the hook. There's also some saxophone used in the song, which is amazing. You do such a great job writing hooks for this album, and in this song in particular. Can you talk about your process writing hooks and parts for this track? So, um, this track actually came from Nate. So, I don't know. This is like, I'm pretty sure he actually had this song around when Changes was being tracked. And I guess, like, I don't know. I don't know if he ever sent it through or, like, if it was the right fit for the album. But I'm very glad he held on to that idea and sent it through again. Because, like, we just, we're working through it. And we're, like, we're, we're into, the, like, the ideas there. And, like, we're just jamming out as a band. And, like... I feel like it's sort of our big stadium festival track. Like, it's, again, like, it's a very, like, statement. Like, just, like, big, like, so much is happening kind of um, song for us. But, like, for the hooks, I mean, I don't know. you, you got to ask Nate for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, I definitely um, like, added some, like, little guitar leads, like, here and there. And that's just, like, a case of bouncing off, like, his ideas. But I think, like, again, like, speaking to that whole, like, collaborative process, like, it's just a case of us all working together and really refining those hooks, you know, doing all those, like, pre-production sessions and then having someone like Oscar in there, so. So I'm in love with the drums on this song, as well as the melodies and the falsettos and the chorus and the bright and catchy guitars, as well as the saxophone on the second half of the track. All right. okay, I like everything. But one of the one of the main lines for me is day to day, everything has a reason. And I think this idea is kind of spread throughout the record that there's significance and purpose in life and where you find purpose or how you use your time really matters. But I want to specifically talk about the inspiration for the song as a whole, which you might be have to fold again and and uh, say ask Nate. But this song is about the band's first time touring across the world. Do you mind kind of sharing some of the memories and feelings that helped inspire the song? Yeah, this song is not the song. I mean, this album is loosely chronological with our experience of touring and especially that world tour and Europe. So for me, season sort of places you at the start of that journey. Like you've heard the album kind of blooming with Florizon and now it's like you're here with seasons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's sort of like our first few days in France and also that initial flight over. I mean, while we're flying, at least my thoughts were just like, how is this happening? Why is this happening? (laughs) and how is it going to go? Like, I just, there were so many questions and I just, I've never had that experience. I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. Like who many people, like how many people were going to be at our show and how's it all going to go ahead. So I I feel like that song is really just kind of encapsulating, like kind of that sense of like fear. Like Mm. this is, this is going to be scary. This is going to be really character building, but 
if I really want to be like the musician that I want to be, then I'm going to have to go through experiences like this and really like test myself. So, and also as well, it's like, I've done, I've sort of done this before. Like, I think the second verse touches on that if I can remember my own lyrics, but like, <laughs> it's like, you, you, I, I've played so many shows in Australia. Like, why is this any different? Like, sure, it's another country, but when it gets down to it, you're still just performing for people. It doesn't really matter if the place is different or like, you know? Definitely. So next up, we have Lavender. on lavender so this was the first single from the album and i love this beginning guitar tone i think it just carries the intro so strong it comes in really hard and once again in this song there are hooks for days and there's even a really great and fitting guitar solo this is one of the catchiest choruses on the album and some of my personal favorite vocals on the album. Thank you. Can you talk about the writing and recording process for your vocals for this song? Um, Nate had sent through the demo for Lavender, and I was really, really into it, but I just I needed to spruce up the rhythm of the rhythm guitars, give it that kind of jangly kind of momentum and like feel and sort of like just keep the song pushing along. So I was like, this is such a good base to work off there are all these like hooks that would be the chorus but i started laying down these guitars and then like slowly like the melodies kind of started opening up it was a song that quite naturally vocal melodies came and for me i love i love stacking melodies and harmonies and i was writing and thinking about again like europe france and just sort of song i feel like a lot of i don't know why i feel like when i'm writing especially writing lyrics, I feel like the song needs to have a, like a sense of self-affirmation or like positivity. Like I don't like, I don't, I don't like writing songs that are like about experience, but then like the song is kind of negative, but it doesn't end on a positive note. And this song had such like a summary, like good feel, like it really needed to capture that as well. So um, the chorus melody that you hear, that's the first like pass, I guess, like that was the first idea. And I remember sending through the vocals and everyone was like, this is just catchy. Like, this is, it's, they were like, oh, maybe, like, I, I remember someone was like, oh, maybe we could, you know, change the lyrics. Maybe we could try this. But also it's been stuck in my head. Like, I can't, like, it's a good sign, you know. <laughs> so I have a couple questions. The song talks about the balance of loving tour and living out your dream, but also wanting to share that experience with others back home and kind of being unable to because it doesn't translate over camera or over the phone. And my first question is, where does the title Lavender come from in light of the lyrics or from the song as a whole? Um, Again, that came from Nate. He's very, he's very visual when he comes up with song titles and that was the title he just had pitched for the song. So again, it, it taps into that whole idea of just like natural imagery. And then for me, like that idea of Europe, first tour, all the band together. 
So secondly, the uh, instrumentals are such a huge part of the band's writing. And for me, it's one of my favorite parts of the band's songwriting. I think the instrumental at the end of this track is absolutely phenomenal. So how do you see the role of instrumentals in the band's discography? And why do you think you gravitate towards writing them? I mean, (laughs) it's funny that you say that for this case, because like, I remember... It must have been, it was really, really late at night. And again, this is just a case of me mucking around with my little home studio set up. I had my guitar plugged in and I decided to just throw on a distortion plug-in and I just cranked it. And I just started shredding over the top and it went for so long, but I was like, fuck, I was just really good. I was having the best time. <laughs> and I just got, I got into like a trance with it. I was like, this is so over the top and ridiculous. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm like, this is a good practice for myself. But I was like, fuck it. I'll send it through as well. Cause this is when I was doing the guitar session and kind of finessing the rhythms and sort of, and then that lead idea came out of nowhere. And I was like, this is great. Like, I'm, I'll see what happens. And everyone was like, this is really fun. Like, it just adds that bit of kick to the song, you know? Like, I can't imagine it without the solo there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Next up, we have actors. Andrew, what are your thoughts on actors? So this song has some of my favorite synth work on the album. The mix of 80s sounding synths with warped synths and textured pads create an amazing soundscape for the song. And it's crazy. Every song is so fun and loud, but you're able to create such different textures in each track that the album doesn't get old or feel like it's all the same. So what was the process of making sure you constantly change your sound within the record? And how did that show up in your writing specifically for actors? So touching on the synths, that's definitely that Porch's inspiration coming through there. That's me messing around with the role in Juno 106. And then I think in terms of keeping things like consistent, that's really like Oscar's job. I feel like he does a really good job of just like taking because like before like it was this because this is a song that came from myself and it was like this little like drum machine and like guitars and it was very like boppy like really like a lot happening like very like fun upbeat kind of song but I feel like Oscar just Oscar actually he he pitched the song to be four on the floor and it kind of became a running gag that that is what he would say, let's be his first four. He'd be like, okay, this song needs to be four on the floor. And we're like, you always say that. <laughs> but, but, however, for this, it works really well because it already had that, like, kind of old 80s, like, Lindrum drum machine, like, vibe going on throughout it. And then we're just adding that extra, like, couple of kicks. It just became even more fun. Like, it's, it's easily my favorite song on the album. Like, it's just so... It's funny as well, even listening to um, the vocal performance as well, like on the original demo, it's quite soft and it's quite like, 
it's 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 very easy kind of listening, I guess, because I just did it at home. But I remember when I was at the studio, like it's, and then listening back, I was like, oh my god, I'm building this. Like I'm really, <laughs> and it's kind of um, it's kind of like grainy and like saturated as well. And I remembered like we had this really beautiful like Neumann like U87 like you know ten thousand dollar microphone, but then right next to it we had um, this microphone that I built with a friend of mine, and it's an old telephone. Wow. And we just had that right next to it and it sounds like absolute garbage but i think that's the reason why the song is just so like the vocals are so bitey and then you've got this like old drum machine behind it and then you've got these synths and you've got these like really boppy guitar oh i, I love it <laughs> like uh, yeah it's easily my favorite so this track has another killer instrumental um from a thematic standpoint i i feel like a lot of the band's joy on the record comes from being able to be a band for others, like so many bands have been for you guys. And the title Actors comes from vacations reaching this point where you guys are realizing like you're the act for some people. You sing in the chorus, it's so strange to even be here, to be anything at all. And I wonder if those lines, with those lines, if the title actors also kind of addresses this idea of not feeling worthy, almost as if the people on stage can't really be you, like you're acting at this part that you never wrote and you feel like you don't deserve. I think the medical term is imposter syndrome. But would you say any of that is accurate? Uh, yeah, 100%. That's really um, based on this one experience. I remember it was the last show of the year. We were in Bangkok for Mahal Rasop Festival. And we were the last act on the smallest stage. And I was like, that's like that in itself is amazing and wild. But I remembered like, because it was an outdoor festival as well. Like we had, we were like getting ready. We're setting up on the stage, and it was like you know, like so much had happened that year for it to be the last show. It's quite like monumental or quite significant. But then, like as I was setting up, like in the distance on the main stage, where thousands of people are watching this band, the band was Slow Dive, and they were currently playing their set, and we had to play after that, which makes no sense. To, <laughs> like no sense at all. Like one of like. My like, I really like that band is so like inspirational to me and really influential to my sound and guitar tone, like especially growing up. And the fact that I'm playing after them, like regardless, it's on a smaller stage, but seeing them in the distance and like they're playing and it's just uh, like it, yeah, I can't. Oh my god, it makes no sense. Seriously, like <laughs> I just. Re- I remember I was just like, I was just standing on the stage and I just started like tearing up and I was like, I need to be setting up right now, but I'm so like transfixed <laughs> like how much it means to me. And I was like, oh, like I then snapped out of it. I was like, fuck, we have to play like right now. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's just like kind of, um, it, it pretty much is based off that one experience. I mean, again, like definitely instances in Europe, but specifically that moment in Bangkok for me. Well, for what it's worth, we think your platform is very well deserved. (laughs) Thanks. So next up, we have Time Crisis.
Andrew, what are your thoughts on Time Crisis? So once again, all the elements of a great vacation song are here. Moving bass lines, piercing synths, your distinct vocals and layered guitars carry the instrumentation of the song. And some of your songs have a very nostalgic feel, and this is definitely one of them. I know this song is in some ways based off of the arcade game Time Crisis, specifically Time Crisis 2. Do you mind elaborating on that and also sharing some of the other influences on that nostalgic side of your sound? Um, yeah, absolutely. The song started out as a complete joke. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. I like had a writing session at home one day. And I think we, it must have been, it was a day after band practice. So someone was talking about time crisis and then start, like mentioning how like Jake and Joey, every time we go to Brisbane, there's this like arcade bar called Netherworld and they have a time crisis two machine. And there was one day on tour where they actually beat the game. And they were, I remember they were up to like the last level and they were like running around the bar trying to find like, gold coins and like you know it's like just like get it finished and it was like so like high stress and lots of like tension and action and it was like exciting it was cool and i was like oh it'd be funny to write something about that like that would just be and like actually pulling samples from the game and like just i don't know i remembered i wrote it like maybe in the space of half an hour and it, it was like kind of there um but i sent it through and everyone was like oh again like it's just a funny thing i was like oh i actually really like this like this is really fun and then I remember um, it sort of sat for a little while. I feel like Nate got a hold of the stems and just really kind of added a couple more sections to it and gave it what it needed to make it onto the album. And he, he made it really dreamy, added some really like gorgeous um, synth textures and like that hook in the chorus that da 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 da. And like, I, and again, like lyrically, it's just me singing about Jake and Joey playing Time Crisis 2, almost as if they were in the video game. Like, it's two, like, players talking to one another, like, two NPCs. Like, I just, I don't know why, it's just really funny to me. And it's, it's like, fun, like, trying to write about something that's not really real. Like, you're just kind of making up a story or something. Like, yeah. I think what's really cool is in the midst of not the song being a gag, but, like, like you are talking about, kind of approaching the song in a very free and loose way, you still wrote some very, like, beautiful lyrics. And one of my favorite lines on the on the song and on the record is, don't restart what you haven't finished. And it makes perfect sense in light of the video game stuff, um, but it's definitely more universal than that. I think the beauty of the line for me is that there's hope... And, so, and something good left to be discovered often in areas of life or in relationships where we want to give up. And I think ironically, in video games, we can just restart at any time if things aren't going well. And sometimes we think that can carry over to life, but there's value in finishing something and seeing it through to the end, even if it didn't turn into what we thought it would turn into. So my first question which I'm not going to ask is what inspired the lyrics for this track. But my second question is, do you find this principle important sometimes while writing songs, this need to see things through and finish an idea or a song before just scrapping everything and calling it quits? I think so. And I think so, especially for this album, 
and what the album was going to mean for us. I think everyone at some point probably had this feeling of like, oh, what's the point of like this band? Where am I going? What am I doing? And I think like, again, that lyric was kind of written like a, like I wrote it like as a filler. And then I was like, oh, that's, that's actually kind of, <laughs> I was like, it's, it's like, it's kind of dumb, but I'm like, it actually has a lot of meaning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like everyone at some point had moments where they kind of wanted to call it quits, but it's like, well, we've come so far. Like, let's just see this album through and like, let's just see this experience through together and see what it's going to bring for us. And then, you know, see what happens after that. Well, we're glad you saw it through. Next up, we have the track Glow. thoughts on glow so this song is a pretty big change of pace for this album so far although it is reminiscent of changes as this song it has more of a shuffle feel to it so you adapt so well vocally to this change of style with the melody which uses longer falsetto notes and the cadence which is just so rhythmic though the track sounds so natural and simple that doesn't mean it's easy to write though it may have been so what were some of the challenges in writing glow i guess i mean you're right that song actually did again come together quite quickly um Almost in the sense that it's actually the easiest song to play as well because it's the production is quite simple. It is almost sort of like a throwback track to changes of two vibes. I sort of just wanted to have at least one song where I was like, we can just play this. We don't need backing tracks. We don't need crazy synths or anything like that or huge like bass drops or anything. It's quite to the point. But I guess challenging in a sense that it's actually the first love song that I've actually written. Like I, I don't write love songs, but this is a love song in a sense so that was kind of weird that was kind of a challenge as a songwriter and now that i've done that i'm just way more open to the idea of writing more love songs so i don't know that could be an interesting direction for vacation (laughs) (laughs) so this is a perfect transition i was gonna mention that this is the first love song you've written and you end the track singing for a moment, there is nothing else except you, which I think is so beautiful. But why do you think you've kind of stayed away from writing love songs before this? And why was this one the one to kind of break the ice? Um, I'm definitely in a very healthy, loving relationship right now where it feels quite, not easy, but I feel like I can get those feelings out. And mm. I feel like, again, to tie it to the theme of touring and you know like companionship or like being this like bands going through everything just missing because we all have partners ourselves like we're all dating people um and just missing that significant someone in your life while you're out on the road and just really wanting to see them again and it's that it's that immediate moment when you finally get home and you get to see them and it's just like you're just so enveloped by this person and like you you just focus on them and it, it, again like yeah nothing does matter because it's just like you're just there with them and that's the moment like so i guess i just really wanted to pen that and it's again it probably is again like a, one of my other favorite songs on the album just because of how like simple and sweet it is 
Yeah, for sure. Next up, we have Panache. on panache so this is one of my personal favorite songs on the album it has a sound that will shock most fans the first time that they hear it it has such a great bass groove it has ethereal vocals throughout and such a catchy vocal performance by both yourself and sarah sykes and then a really cool addition of adding crater face as well I really want to highlight the change of sound in the middle of the song where it changes its whole vibe. The auto-tune comes in, and it's such a great way to create, in my opinion, one of the coolest moments on the entire album. And I know we've talked about this a little bit in part one, but I just want to ask more. Can you talk more about how that later part came into being as well? So that part was definitely expanded upon in, I think, Either the first week or maybe the second week. I don't know. It was definitely while we were at the Grove getting the main bulk of tracking down. And we spent so much time, almost maybe too much time. I don't know. <laughs> I remember I remember at some point where it was like it was getting late. We were like, damn, we really need to track another song. Like we're just spending all this time on an outro. But it was fun. It was like we were having all these ideas bounce back and forth. And it was such like a divisive and experimental and crazy track. Like it was just so much... I feel like I definitely owe a lot to Oscar there for sort of expanding it further, adding in like drum samples and trying different ideas with Joey on the drums. I remember at one point, I think we kind of wanted to pull back from the trap kind of nature or like the synthetic nature of the track. And we were trying that. And like Joey was like really bashing like the ride cymbal and it was sounding more like guitar focus and rocky. The just wasn't sitting well. It just felt. It felt like you were going down the path, and it was like, I don't know, it's just like, it, it's like, no, go back, like, go down this other one, like, this is the right one, like, this feels good. And we just tried so many different things, and we had, so, it was definitely the most collaborative track as well, because of, like, again, having people like Sarah and having people like Creative Face. So there was just everyone in the room, and again, like, just so many ideas going around. We really, like, just experimented and just had fun, especially, like, singing with auto tune or something, or just hearing 808s over a vacations track like it sounds so dumb but it's it works really well and i think it's good. again I, I think i might have touched this before but i think it's just good to push yourself as an artist and as a person and just try something new and if people don't like it they don't like it but it's going to pull in other potential fans or other potential listeners where your older stuff might not have grabbed them in the first place this track might be the one to do it and i think it's good to have that balance of as a manager would put it light and shade throughout an album like, it would be so easy for us to just write 12 glow-sounding tracks and, like, kind of go down the same path as before. But I don't know. Why not, why not do something like this? So thematically, and as you mentioned also, 
from an instrumental standpoint. This is definitely a diversion from Glow. Um, thematically, whether it's talking about the same relationship or not, it's it's definitely, you're not carrying the same sentiments <laughs> as you were in Glow. And uh, <laughs> Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. That's really funny. <laughs> you can, if you want to build off that, that's fine. I just, I just find it, I find it really interesting how people um, interpret tracks or how, like, you know, their, their personal experiences can affect, like, the overall experience. So just there's so many variables when you're listening to a song. So like, no, I will clarify. No, that um song isn't about <laughs> my my experience in Globe and also current experience because I'm still in a relationship. <laughs> but um, but it, it's kind of touching on um more people I've encountered in the music industry and my I guess my journey as an artist and people that are sort of appearing to want to work with your work in your favor or do something for you but then it's kind of like well what are you you're not what are you doing like you're not really doing what you said or you're kind of being slack or it's like there's a there's an error in communication here and it's not working out and it's like come on like like meet me in the middle like in the chorus like let's wipe this out however it goes you know like yeah that makes perfect sense and we're glad your relationship is going well so um i think you do such a great job and and nate of writing the chorus parts from an instrumental, but also you specifically melodically, they're they're not just catchy, but they're also just such great sing-along parts, which I think is one of the huge draws to the band that you're such a sing-along band that people, when they want to go to a show, they want to sing every word. And in a lot of the choruses, you keep things simple, you use repetition, and you... Uh, the lyrics are not overly poetic or confusing and you present you wrap it all with a very memorable melody and this track again is a great example of that how much do you guys think through that sing-along factor um, specifically with this track and how much are you thinking through that with other songs as well um it's funny that you mentioned that because it's only sort of dawned on me recently that because uh, i've been writing lyrics for other songs um here and there but just i think a chorus needs to be simple it just needs to be to the point i, I like the idea of having like really flowery almost like verbose kind of sounding verses and bridges and other sections whatever they might be but getting to the chorus is like that should just summarize the whole thing like you don't need to go full shakespearean yeah on your listeners and I don't know, some people can do it and it kind of works, but then I, I feel like sometimes I'm like, I can't sing this, like this is just not, like it doesn't flow, it's like confusing, or then people sing the wrong lyrics. So I think like it's just important to have a good, simple, catchy hook, and why not do that in the chorus, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Next up, we have Something Here. Andrew, what are your thoughts on something here? So I really love the timing on the song. The long intro is the perfect way to usher the listener into an amazing new groove in 2-4 that you guys use. You're also singing uh, mostly in your lower register during the verses and then jumping to your high falsetto in the choruses. 
And this song has one of the best vibes on the album, in my opinion. So can you talk about the use of 2-4 in the song and the challenges and benefits that changing to a different time signature created for this song? So Joey, I remember this. At one time at band practice, Joey literally said, like, we should just have a song in 2-4. Like, I'd just love to try something like that. And I was like, oh, 2-4, eh? What does that sound like? Like I, I actually couldn't imagine what two four, even though it's you know it's just half the beats and like four four signature, like stock standard signature. I was just like, what, what would that be? So I went home and just opened up Logic and then just changed four four to two four, and I was like, cool, okay, like let's just try mucking around. And I was like, again, this is like um, when I was really getting into since and like again like that porsche's kind of sound and really just experimenting and i was like kind of getting dancey and groovy and i was like this is fun i really like this like it's just such a groove and i especially because the album does head in such a dance territory at least for us in some other songs later on in the album and i just thought like it'd be good to sort of keep expanding on that theme and just trying something that's more synth focused rather than guitar focused so it was just a sort of a way for me to open up my songwriting and again, challenge myself and grow and develop as a person. Um, so, I mean, with that, keeping it in mind of synth focus, but then also the two-fourths time signature, I think that just really was beneficial. And it's just like, yeah, again, a different flavor for the album because I think every other song is in 4-4. Four, four. So just something a little different, you know? So this song has easily grown on me the most while listening to the record. The first time I heard it, I was thrown off. Whether it was the 2-4 or just the whole aesthetic, I just, just I was like, what's going on? I was not expecting it. But it's so cool, and it plays such a unique role on the record. Uh, the main line, I know anything could happen, I think reflects a huge theme of the record, which is the possibility of the unknown. And I think that's something that's so scary for a lot of people, but you seem to find solace and you seem to find hope in that. So why do you think you have that attitude? I'm not entirely sure. I don't know. I think I've, again, might've touched on this before, but I just like writing lyrics. Like I'm not trying to write a self-help book, although I feel like maybe one day you could collect all the lyrics and (laughs) create a book out of that. But I just like lyrics that are kind of life affirming or hopeful or like are inspiring, like just sort of like, Essentially, if you could really boil it down, everything's going to be okay. I'm not entirely sure why that seems to be my writing style, and I feel like I'm kind of noticing that trend as I keep progressing with writing, but it just seems to come... I don't know, it's what comes naturally to me. And those those lyrics were actually, like, just the demo, like, stuck. Like, it's the first thing that kind of came to my head. And I did actually do several revisions of the lyrics, and I even tried to change up kind of the nature of it and add more, add even more lyrics and really try and weave more of a story. But it was sort of counterproductive to the song's nature because I feel like as the song kind of progresses and marches forward, it's almost kind of trance-like. Like it is yeah. kind of almost like just repetitive, like kind of kraut rock. Like it's just the same thing kind of over and over again. And then you get that switch up halfway through. And I was really enjoying writing switch ups as well. Um and yeah, just even like kind of keeping this like similar lyrics, but just changing the register. I don't know why. I just felt it felt right. And usually, I found as well with this album, the first idea is the best idea. Like mm. you try deviating from that idea, and it just feels wrong, or it doesn't feel it just doesn't stick as well. And you're kind of like, no, that idea actually had like a lot going for it. And that's like the most truest version of the idea I find as well. Yeah, that's sick. 
Next up, we have Ego. on ego so the rhythm section the drums and bass for this song are so freaking tight i find it almost impossible not to move and bop my head with this track the guitar part in the chorus is what i want to highlight because i think it's so amazing it's this repetitive pattern that keeps starting and ending on different beats but ends up finishing at the perfect point can you talk about writing and recording that part specifically um, I can't speak on that part specifically because that part did come from Nate, but what I can say is that this was the hardest song to write on the album, so I'm really mm. glad you liked the riff because <laughs> that was actually, um, we had our first, like, collaborative, like, team writing session was, like, late 2017 at Nate's parents' house while they were away on a holiday in Italy, and I remember, I think we had two days back-to-back, and On Your Own came from that, and Ego also came from that session, and it's gone through like 10 plus revisions, which I might not sound like a lot to like some other artists because I know they just keep revising and revising. But this song for us, like, it was like hitting a brick wall over and over again. Like, we just really couldn't seem to get it down right. And we just, I think just before going to the Grove, like, we had like a pretty strong idea. I don't know if we were 100% sold on it, but I remember Oscar really came out on this one and like really like helped like, just kind of because there actually were heaps more lyrics originally and the lyrics was really hard to write as well like i remember there were no lyrics for a year we had this instrumental and there was no lyrics and it was really hard i think for the band because i i really i actually liked the song the most and i think it was really hard for everyone else to vibe it because they couldn't hear the vocals but being the vocalist i could hear the lyrics like i could hear what it sounded like even though there were no lyrics um but i remember yeah oscar like really helped us and like just solidified that groove and just cut sections and like we actually wrote the chorus there because there was like again several versions of the chorus but we just like cut down so much of the fat so to speak (laughs) and just just condensed it just made it like a bit more straightforward because i think maybe there might have been just too much going on it's funny it's funny actually having these questions and really reflecting because i haven't thought about that song in a while but yeah oh my god i'm glad it like it came out the way that it did because i think it ended up working um and we stuck with it but there was there was definitely a point where we were like this isn't going to work for the album we're going to scrap it or it's going to be like a b-side but then it it ended up staying by having someone like oscar coach us through that track so Vocally, the verses and the chorus come across as very confident, very forward, and in the chorus you sing, Is This What You Want? Death by Ego. It sounds very playful and funny uh, with the harmonies and the lyrics. It's uh, very bright, but then the bridge just takes a totally different approach vocally, for me at least. it's It feels yearning, it's pleading, it's longing. It feels more serious and more tender. Do you mind sharing how you approach this track vocally in light of the theme of the song? 
Definitely. I mean, because this song had to be revised so much and then it was revised even further and, like, condensed when we got to the studio, I feel like lyrically it was almost, or at least my approach to it vocally, I should say, um, was kind of freestyled. Like, mm. we just kind of tried doing take after take and I was just, I had all the lyrics there and I was like, I'm just going to sort of see what fits. Because, again, it's like another switch up in the album, but it's like a complete mood shift like it gets kind of like dark and serious and i just felt like a more i guess aggressive kind of style even like like my vocals are even kind of broken at that point like it's kind of like pitchy and weird but i don't know it, it just seems to fit in that section next up we have peaches Just confirming the song is not about ass. <laughs> uh, okay, Andrew, what are your thoughts? Oh, fuck, maybe it should have been. I don't know. That's, that's funny. I, have not, I did not think about that. Peaches, what, Peaches was the, like, one of the original, like, I think it was, like, July 21st, and then I just changed it to Peaches because I was just thinking about fruit at the time, and then I was like, that's a cute name. Like, that's kind of yeah. fun. Like, colorful but yeah i guess it's i don't mean to spoil your your cute uh version i like your your idea better i'm too pure and wholesome for this one <laughs> exactly you are okay andrew what are your thoughts so every time i hear that chorus groove i go damn that is so freaking catchy and i smile every time during that chorus i'm just blown away with the intricate layered instruments to me the drums and bass carry this song and we know you aren't the drummer or bassist but are you able to give any insight on the writing and recording of the drums and bass on this track yeah so actually i wrote the bass line um for that track i Remember, this was like again during that process where I was getting really into synths and I was trying another synth kind of jam. And I was I was kind of into it. The bass hook was really cool, but it was just the process of me sending it through to the guys and like getting opinions and like thoughts and discussion and all that. Um, Joey really loved the initial demo. He saw so much potential in it, and I was just kind of like, yeah, that's cool, man. But I, you really seem to like it. Like I almost didn't kind of get it, but I'm glad that like. And this is, I think this is a great thing about collaboration because you just, you get more done. You get more done so much quicker. Um, he saw so much potential and it just made me kind of go back and revise and add more parts. And then I added that really deep sub bass line to it. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is like, this is heavy. This is good. I'm really, I'm really into this. And like, again, I think this is sort of the first track to kick off that kind of dance aesthetic that's sort of sprinkled throughout the album um so yeah just like a lot of there's definitely a lot of interplay between like guitars and synths and i was just trying to kind of find that right balance and yeah i guess just like a lot of experimentation this is definitely like when i was listening to a bit of porches as well i can't remember what porches song it is but like in the chorus of one of his songs it's like his palm muted guitars that come in left and right mm. and i just i loved like that idea and like treating the guitar as like a kind of like a hi-hat um so like just trying ideas like that and having the guitars almost sort of take a back seat. Like there's not heaps of guitar work throughout, except for the like that subtle layering, sort of still kind of 
keep it in with the vacations aesthetic. But the drums, I mean, the drums, like it was drum machine. Joey's kind of taken that. He always called the drum machine Roberto. <laughs> he never like he never he, never, he, he hated hearing the demos because he was like oh I just have to listen to this like machine like play the drums and it's like I just want to play that but Joey did like a fantastic job adapting that and not keeping it like too like keeping it kind of grounded and I guess palatable for the song like it's not too like rocky it's not too like this or that but yeah I think I think that's that's everything baseline baseline is just me mucking around the bass and just writing something crazy and then just like yeah putting it all together (laughs) so in the chorus you sing does it ever feel right or does it always remain the same which i find extremely interesting in light of tracks like something here or seasons and a lot of the sentiments on the record before this it's cool that there's kind of some pushback thematically on your own part like admitting that looking ahead is not always as easy as it might seem. Sometimes it's hard not to get stuck in the past, feeling like you or a situation hasn't changed and never will. But despite those observations on the lyrics, my question has nothing to do with that. Uh, My question has to be, how the hell did you come up with and hit those falsettos at the end? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my God, I wish I could tell you. I've just been getting way more into vocal layering and harmonizing. I have to thank telephones of changes for that because I remember one day I had my laptop set up in the kitchen and input monitoring was turned on for one of the tracks so I could hear what was coming through and I had my headphones on and I didn't have a mic or anything. There was no interface of recording equipment. It was actually the mic in my laptop and I was like, fuck. And I was like, oh, that's actually really cool. I'm just going to do another pass and then another pass and just kept stacking vocals and I feel like that's a theme that's carried on every song since. Um, yeah, I like I don't know how to answer that question, but it's just like I I guess I guess through something I guess we're doing a track like that and having a happy accident. It's like, oh cool, let me try more vocal layering, exploring my voice more and how far I can take it. I've been getting mm. just way more into like vocal manipulation and just like how to like how how far can you like kind of push yourself rather than staying like in a, just a, a comfortable register. I think there's a lot to get out of the human voice as an instrument. Definitely. Next up, we have Avalanche. thoughts on avalanche so the guitars usher in the signature vacation sound it's catchy unique and utilizes the best parts of your songwriting for a sad song i love the dichotomy of having happy instrumentals in this song so can you talk about why you decided to highlight happy instrumentals with sad lyrics that's really interesting i don't think of um I don't think of avalanche as like a happy song like i don't like instrumentally at least like i guess it sounds kind of right but I don't know. I feel like it's kind of, it's kind of like dark and like um, rocky to me. It'll definitely like go all out, like that last chorus and the bridge and like that big crash as well, like just before it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Like, I, I think it's just interesting that that's like, that's how you kind of experience the track. And I, I find that like, I don't know. <laughs> so the second I heard this song, I thought, 
wow, this is one of the best songs of the year. It immediately went on to our songs of the year playlist, which don't worry. I mean, we probably got you like four streams from that. You're welcome. Um, and <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And it hasn't gotten any less enjoyable after the many listens I've had since my first listening. It's just top notch, especially in terms of its catchiness. And lyrically, I don't find you to be overly poetic throughout the record. You have definitely poetry um, throughout the songs. But like you said, you kind of simplify things for the chorus. But I do think that this first verse is some next level poetic shit and i'll read it if you don't mind um oh to be a law unto yourself a fixed state so compelled so cast a spotlight and shine it on you such a sight eclipses any other view like damn i'm just glad this wasn't written about me like shots fired they've been pummeled by an avalanche of incredible lyrics um and the cherry on top with the song is the production. So there's so many cool little details spread throughout this track from beginning to end. Do you mind talking about the production of this song specifically? Yeah, stressful. Oh, my God. Because um, <laughs> we had we had a three-day stint at 301 Studios in Sydney. We had two days just to track demos. And then on the last day, a Sunday, I think, it was like that was going to be the day we were going to track the single that was about to come out obviously got pushed back further and further and further as ages ago. But um, it was the first time we were going to meet Oscar and work with him. And we had 10 hours to get this song down, which I've never, I've always had the luxury of recording at home. I have unlimited amount of time. There's no real sense of pressure. It's quite carefree and easy, but like to be in this studio we haven't spent a lot of time in and still feel it's still kind of like weird like i don't know and then like meeting someone like oscar and just i've never worked for a producer none of us ever worked for a producer i should say it was just a lot to kind of take in but it was just sort of like okay we need to get this down like let's go and i think we did a really really good job i think oscar that day was quite in the zone and quite focused like we did get to spend a little bit of time with him but i think he was definitely like i need to do the best that i can in the time limit that I have. Um, and I think it, I mean, it, I think it turned out great. <laughs> With that 10 hour time limit in mind, it was such a crunch that I only had about an hour to do vocals. Mm. And then it got to the time we had to actually get out. Nate had like 15 minutes to do his lead guitars. So actually we had another session, I think like a month later at Sawtooth Studios, which is a studio here in Newcastle that I do some workout shout outs to Sawtooth Studios. <laughs> um, and we went back and we revised the vocals because the takes we got were just like, I was just stressed out. And like, it was just like, I was singing through like the same mic that Katy Perry had sung through and it was like 10 grand, but it just sounded like garbage because I wasn't having a good time. Like, which I think is just kind of funny as well because I feel like some people place a lot of importance on like gear and equipment and like where you go, but it's like, if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. And like that session, like definitely proved that fact to me. Um, so we got to have another session where I could spend more time tracking the vocals and then Nate actually got to, you know, have a good amount of time to get his guitar parts down. And I think like that definitely like complete, like actually completed the song. Like, but then, um, we did some subtle layering as well. I did a bunch of like one takes and we did some stuff in like effects pedals as well. Like, 
these little laser guitars that you might hear throughout the bridge. I think they come in like from the left and then from the right or something like that. Next up, we got Wildflower. my wildflower oh thanks <laughs> all right what, what what are your thoughts on the song so the reintroduction of those nature sounds seems to start to signify our transition to wrapping up the album this song has some of the best vocals on the album from a performance standpoint i can hear the passion in your vocals and i believe the the vocals and synths really carry the song this album has had such an amazing tone for each instrument, whether it's the vocals, the synths, the guitars, bass, or drums. How did you go about creating tones for this song, and how do you know when you found the right sound for each instrument? That's a good question, because I feel, I definitely feel like at the time when we were recording, because we only had two weeks to get it done, we were sort of under a lot of pressure to just get down tracks fast and really quick so i actually felt like we didn't get to spend as much time on tone as we would have liked so it was sort of like we got set up we kind of did our rehearsals and then we had like the one tone and just sort of stuck with it throughout the whole album and i feel like obviously that would have helped give like a kind of unified sort of sound but also like i guess we've been doing this for a little while now like i think this is five years um so i like we all kind of know what we like and we came in with like a lot of inspirations in mind and like having someone like Oscar did really help nail each specific tone and help it just gel together in a way that's balanced but dynamic quiet and loud I think is extremely helpful <laughs> with that um yeah this song is like it's really interesting though it came from Nate and it's just it definitely has a lot of because Nate's background is actually beats and like electronic music and just a completely different world to what I've kind of known where I'm quite, you know, band focused. And I feel like it's kind of this really beautiful mesh of the two because Nate threw in heaps of like samples and just like this kind of nature, natural kind of vibe, which has always kind of been, I feel like his aesthetic in his productions. I feel like that's just very him like when I think of a Nate song, but then like there's the rhythm guitar works for myself, like in the verses. And then there's like big vocals in the chorus. Like, I feel like it all kind of, I feel like it's, yeah, it's actually, it is an ending to the album. I didn't even think about that as well. Like, not that it's the second last track, but like those nature sounds kind of coming back. Like that's really, yeah, <laughs> that's actually, that's a really good observation. It's funny how sometimes you don't think about these things or you just forget them because it's been so long since I've been in the tracking session and then COVID being like separated from everybody, like having other people listen to it and come back and be like, oh, hey, like this is kind of reminding me of this. And it's like, oh, damn. So this is one of the only songs on the, the album that isn't extremely guitar driven, which you kind of mentioned with Nate writing with that more electronic feel. And 
Uh, I was going to more ask a question about that, but I feel like you did a great job of sharing Nate's inspirations and how he kind of set the framework for the song. But I wanted to touch more on the title of the record, Forever in Bloom. That title is found within this track. Do you mind sharing on the process of naming the record? Yeah, naming the record was funny, <laughs> kind of interesting. I feel like... Because I'm trying to remember the original um, title now, because I remember like pitched it through. The original title of the album was "You're Living the Dream Now," because that's something I would hear so much when I returned home from tour. If I went out, someone would be like, "Oh yeah, you're living the dream now. Like you're in a band. Like you've got all this worldwide fame." And I'm like, "Well, kind of. Nah, not really. Like." I don't know. We're still struggling to make it in Australia. And we have all these fans in the US, but we have no way of getting there. Like we're in this weird purgatory kind of state. So I remember that I pitched that title to the band and kind of like my thoughts and feelings and like the whole idea and context and whatnot. And then like everyone was into the idea, but I think we just kind of wanted to break down the title and try some alternative ideas and see what else we can kind of pull and then also tapping into that kind of nature sort of theme. So I remember um, Nate sent through a short list because, again, he's very visual and just thinks of really pretty names. And I remember there was, like, Bloom, and then there was, like, a couple of other ones. And then, like, I really liked Bloom, and then I feel like there was something else that was, like, forever, but it was, like, something else. And then it was kind of, like, almost, like, spinning a wheel and just sort of seeing what you're getting. But, like, just picking out titles and kind of piecing it together and stitching it and just, like, seeing where we'll go. Um, and that's just that's what we landed on and that's what felt best for everybody next up we have the closing track take care Andrew, what are your thoughts on Take Care? This is the perfect ending to the album. It's the most unique song on the album for sure. It starts kind of as a piano ballad with other textured instruments throughout, but then it really crescendos into this just epic, huge portion of the album, probably the most epic part of the album in general the vocals go from this low range singing to shouting this won't last forever at the top of your lungs it's such a beautiful departure from the rest of the album when did you guys know you wanted to write this kind of crescendoing ballad and what was the hardest part of writing or recording this song i don't think i have ever knew i wanted to write a ballad but i just i had this track and i just came out one day and i was like this is a very moody textural piece that's quite opening and like confessional it's like i've just spilt my guts out everywhere and everyone's just like oh my god kind of theme or aesthetic and i feel like that's that in itself is kind of a hard thing to do and then to present that to a group of people where you're in a band and you primarily write very guitar driven pop kind of orientated music. It's a little bit weird, but I'm glad that everyone saw the potential in it and where it can go. And I think the hardest part 
about that was actually sort of sticking to the idea that this song could work. But I remember the moment where it clicked was with Oscar's production ideas, because what he would do is he would actually, before any recording even took place, we would actually, we would just play the songs together as a group because he wanted to see, like, if we could even do that, which, I mean, we could, but it's just that way of, like, coaching, and it was, like, new to us, and we're like, oh, you don't want to start recording drums now? You just want to start jamming? He was like, yeah, start jamming. We're like, oh, weird. Okay, sure, whatever. Like, But it worked, and we was like, we're going to do Take Care, and everyone was like, oh, how are we going to do that? Like, that's a really... It just did not seem possible, but I remember it was a really beautiful and touching moment. We did two takes, and everyone just felt really nice about it. It just felt really like, oh, that actually does work. It feels really, like, solidifying, like, affirming. Like, and, uh, yeah, I just remember we saw the potential in it, and we were like, okay, this is actually the last track. And I think it was always from the standpoint that this was going to be the last track. So this song, as you mentioned, is the obvious choice for the album's closer, both with the title and its theming, but also with the sound. For me, the crux of the song is found in the line, nothing lasts forever. And I think it's fitting because even though a lot of this record has been about hoping for the future, I think you remind people to make the most of the present because all things eventually come to an end. And it helps put things into perspective, and it's just such a fantastic way to close the record. How does this line, or the idea of Nothing Lasts Forever, impact the way you view the band and your time in it? I actually, I, oh my god, I need to sit and think on that. I don't know, I've, I'm just thinking back to when I actually wrote the lyrics, so this doesn't answer the question, I don't know. But like, I feel like I was going through a pretty heavy period in my life, and I just thought it was kind of starting to get through out into the other side and like again that song sort of in a similar vein to Banach, it just all came out one day and I was like oh what even is this but like I don't know I just saw potential in it and I really again kind of that whole life affirming everything's going to be okay self-help book kind of theme throughout my writing it just stuck and I feel like I feel like it just sort of does play into the album's themes and just that idea that like I, I feel like we are going to break through and we are going to get through this weird bump I feel like our career has been riding for a really long time where we just sort of are existing in that purgatory state where it's like we're not like yes we do have that fan base but we can't ever seem to actually physically get to wherever the fan base is whether it's like in the US or Europe or Brazil or I don't know, wherever. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. I feel like it's just got a lot of, like it definitely has like a personal meaning for myself, but I think, yeah, for the band and tying that in, because I feel like every song, obviously there would be some sort of personal meaning or message for myself, but then it's like what the listener has and then like what it ties in with the band and that whole like theme going on there. But I think, yeah, just for the band just, yeah, we are going to get through whatever we are going through. And I know that the band has collectively just gone through so many hard moments, like through touring or like writing and recording. Like we've all seen each other at like our best and our worst. And it's just sort of like this life goes on, but we're always improving as people. We're always getting better at this, even though it seems like maybe we're not. It's just all these life experiences, like kind of building up and collecting and just learning from that and just constantly 
growing constantly blooming i should say <laughs> forever forever <laughs> blooming ah, <God. laughs> what, a, what a fitting way to end the track by track so real quick i know you already mentioned your favorite song but we usually end by talking through our favorite track real quick or mentioning it so Andrew will go first, I'll go second, and then you can kind of just share maybe one more interesting piece about actors, if if it is your uh, favorite track. So, Andrew, what, what's your favorite song? So I think uh, Nate probably could guess what my favorite track is, uh, because I'm a sucker for experimental parts and bands departing and having maybe some of the more unique elements um, uh, of a band coming through. And so Panache is my personal favorite. I just think it's so cool how I really almost separate the song into, into those like halves. The first half is so vacations and like amazing and catchy. And then the second half is so experimental. That's where you get really collaborative. I love the auto tune sound with it. Cause I'm so used to hearing that and like, hip-hop or like electronic and i'm so not used to hearing it done in this way and i think it creates such a cool texture and i think everything you were saying as far as like this song and just like kind of the idea behind it like let's just have fun like when you expect something we don't want to just give you what you expect we want to do something different and i think i think the approach to this song is like so prevalent through the whole album which is you guys trying to push and progress um as a band and not just doing changes again or or yeah. anything like that that i think the song is so indicative of i don't know the band and i just think it's so cool so panache is my favorite how about you nate yeah so i think andrew and i both like we love indie we love sharing bands that we feel like are underrated which is obviously why we have you on because even though you guys aren't small you guys are nowhere near as big as you should be so i i think i love having my favorite song be like a deep cut like something that nobody's gonna say and yet both andrew and i are choosing singles (laughs) so uh mine's avalanche i think when i heard that song like i really liked changes it just it wasn't a record for me where I was like, I'm in, deeply in love with this. And I didn't know what the band's trajectory was going to be. I didn't know whether you guys were going to take a step forward, a step back, stay the same. And this first, when I first heard Avalanche, I was like, oh my goodness, this, like, I can't wait to hear this record because this song is special. And like, I'm sure if they've, are able to repeat this not from a simply uh sound standpoint like write the same song but continue to write this well and continue to execute this well and the production be this solid like this record's going to be special and so it kind of really gave me hope that this would be a special record and it turned out being a special record and so i just think when i think about the record i think this song kind of like jump-started me on hoping it would be awesome and it followed through. Ooh, thank you. That's really touching. That's really sweet. Both you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So, uh, yours is actors? Yeah, mine is actors. I feel like it just combines the best elements of just like fun, catchy guitar books that I feel like we're kind of previously known for, but then just sort of slowly blending in these really pretty synthetic elements or synth elements, I should say, that 
complement the guitar tone. I think that was something that was really fun for me, this record, because I've never really experimented with synths. And once I kind of got more into sound design, it was like, well, how can I replicate that woozy kind of guitar tone that we're sort of starting to get known for onto a completely different instrument? So for me, that song is sort of like a gateway into like that experimentation in that world and just kind of showing me a different side of songwriting but still kind of keeping it grounded it's just it's just such a fun song as well like that four on the floor kick pattern it like it just goes from the very beginning and it just it's a song that for me i'm looking forward to so much playing live because i just know it's going to go off i know it's the song where <laughs> everyone's going to be moving everyone's going to be having fun and to imagine that is really exciting. So I think for me, that's why it's my favorite. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah. We really appreciate you sharing so much like helpful information and being so open and vulnerable about the whole process. And we just really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, I've just never done a podcast before and it's just really fun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're glad you enjoyed yourself. For those listening, we hope you had fun too. Um, if you're listening to this part two and you haven't listened to part one, go check that out. But more importantly, if you're listening to this, the record's out. It's out right now. So buy the record on vinyl, stream it a billion times, support the boys when they're out on tour, hopefully soon, and encourage them with your kind words as this record and the labor of love that they put into it is well worth the appreciation. Oh, no, thank you guys so much. It's been very fun. All right, that was part two of our two-part episode with Campbell Burns. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Campbell. Uh, We just thank him for being a part of this podcast, and we hope that you enjoyed it. Make sure that you are following Vacations on all of their socials. That way, when they start doing tours or shows or anything like that, you will be notified of those. You can also follow us on our socials. We are on Twitter and Instagram at LDL pod and you can also email us at listening at gmail.com thanks and have a great day